Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What are you doing? You are just rubbing yourself over there. Are you okay? <laughs> just to clarify, I'm rubbing my face. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good. I know it looks like I'm like shrooming or something. I know. I'm just like I want one. I like, want some of what you're on. <laughs> nothing. I'm just like really feeling my skin. Good. I love that for you. <laughs> do you ever do that? You ever, do you ever just like? feel things um, I'm, I'm genuinely not high I just by the way I don't I actually don't take any drugs so um but I just I've been in bed until literally like 15 minutes ago so I actually had just, to wake you up for the recording yeah, yeah so it is currently noon um I don't know just no one's here and I just all I wanted to do was lay down so it's what I did well thank you for um, joining us <laughs> You're welcome, you're welcome, you're welcome. Um, how are you doing? You know, girl, I'm just good. I'm really good. I can't. Oh my god, you I... sound like one of the <laughs> I hate that question. How are you? I'm so good. Oh. Everything is so good. I'm so good. I'm doing so well. I just, I'm so blessed. <laughs> so blessed. Living in gratitude. Every day is a gift. Like, what are these answers? What are you supposed to say, though? Small talk is so annoying. Well, you're meant to... When I'm asking you, it's just answer the fucking question. <laughs> oh, this is... Yeah, so actually, I'm asking you. This isn't a stranger on the street right now? No, no. Oh, okay. Well, it's going to take the next hour to tell you how I am. Oh, God, then just give me the small talk. So you had your green card appointment with Willie yesterday. The good news is... That he got approved! Woo! <laughs> yes! Oh, my God. So exciting. I remember the feeling very well. Yeah, you've been through this. Yeah, we got our meeting way earlier than we expected. We thought we were going to have to wait like another year. But we just went in there, got called right in, and we had prepared tons of paperwork and all kinds of legal documents. They didn't want to see anything. They just Yeah, I remember in. that when we went in with our binders, it was like they were just like, oh, "Okay, yeah, very good. Just look at three pages. Very good. Well done." They were like, "So, how'd you meet?" They just wanted to know all the emotional details to catch you in a lie, which yeah. they didn't catch us in any lies. Ha ha ha. But they definitely make you sweat. I mean, the guy was deadpan. When you were there, did you wait in line outside the building first? No, there was a long line, but for some reason we didn't have to wait in it. Oh. <laughs> or maybe we just walked up to the front. <laughs> maybe you just walked in. Oh my <laughs> God, you're funny. Were you there with your lawyer? No, just us. Did you go with the lawyer? Yeah. Yeah. Did you get approved on your first time? Yeah. I mean, listen, with our dads, the chances of us not getting our green cards approved for our husbands are slim to none. So it's sort of like... Let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the chances are you're getting a green card. Um, but obviously, if we were 
you know, Tommy from Zimbabwe, it would be a different conversation. Welcome um, to America. I mean, my lawyer literally said that to me. She was like, if you were African, this would be a completely different conversation. Savage, right? Yeah, absolutely savage. Um, yeah. So anyways, the point is, bit of good old fashioned nepotism, got you a green card, probably got me mine as well. He probably put two and two together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your your FBI agent has sent them all of the information God. that's watching us right yeah, exactly. now. Yeah, exactly. Because I know people that have been denied like two or three times before they finally yeah. got it. Honestly, emotionally, wouldn't be able to handle that. I'd be like, sorry, babe, moving to England. Yeah, can't do going it. back. I know. Well, Will yeah. was like, oh, no, what do we do if I get denied? And what if they You're deport like, oh, me no. today? I was like, <laughs> oh. oh, my bags are packed. I'm <laughs> really so bad. upset. Actually, I've already packed them yeah. there by the front door. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. Um, I have to move to Scotland. No. Well, that's good. I'm really glad. I'm really, really glad for you both. How has your week been? Fine. I did have my first session of that trauma therapy, which was interesting. If anyone was wondering um, about that, because I had never heard of it before. And so I was actually feeling a little bit nervous about it. And I'd heard from loads of people after last week being like, oh, it was great. Really helped me. And then we know a bunch of people that have had it. And I spoke to my therapist about it and he was like, it's great. But for some reason, I still felt worried. I don't know. I think because there's like a kind of hypnotism element to it even though it's not you're just watching a thing go back and forth or listening to a sound go back and forth it's not hypnotism but I don't know it just made me feel like are they gonna like rearrange my brain or something that would make me nervous too am I gonna be lobotomized through the computer screen um but it was really fine it is tiring obviously because you have to go and identify what is the thing that is basically causing you trauma so from the morning of the crash that's what that that morning is sticking with me and I'm I'm feeling unable to move past it so that's what I've gone to her for um and what I thought would be interesting to share is in that first session you don't go straight into like the heavy stuff you basically identify what is the kind of first moment of the day or of the event or of the whatever it is that gets you having that kind of physiological reaction so we went through like three different parts of the day that did that and then brought it down to like the main one. And then what was so interesting to me was that the next step is she asked me, now I want you to think about what negative thoughts and stories about yourself that you have come up when you think about that moment. And I was like, what? So like negative self-talk from the past without even you knowing it is very much attached to like your present trauma, basically. Because when I sat there and talked it through with her, I was like, wow, what comes up for me is not being worthy of happiness or love. Otherwise, why would this have happened? Wow. So that was really interesting to me because I never would have thought that we would be going back to the beginning. And then she was like, and where does that come from? So you go and find out where that initial thing comes from. So my dad, 
not being, you know, worthy of, of love or attention or happiness. And then you go through and you pinpoint every other situation, relationship and person in your life that has perpetuated that story. And all of that is attached to your, your now time. Wow. Annabelle. Reaction to trauma. So it is really, it's tiring. Very. Um, and I think maybe that's why I'm in bed today. <laughs> Absolutely. I did that yesterday and I felt fine afterwards and I felt light afterwards. You do a guided meditation and relaxation thing afterwards, which I really, really liked. But even that sort of 40 minutes of digging in is like, whoa, like fuck, you know? Yeah. But the the nice relaxation thing was really sweet and I thought you might like it. It's... um. You kind of like, she like makes you close your eyes, you breathe and there's some music on and she's like, you know, the classic thing of like feeling healing light, go up your body, get to the top. And then she's like, I want you to imagine you're standing in front of three doors, pick a door, whichever one you want and go through it. And I want you to enter into the room and this room is going to be the most comfortable, cozy, loving, warm feeling space that, that you've ever been in. And I want you to make the room however you want it to be. What do the walls look like? What colors are there? What's the light like? Is there a fire? Is there books? Is there, what does it smell like? And you go through everything and you create this room and then you name it at the end. And that is a tool that you use, I guess, in the sessions. At the end of the session, we'll go back to my place, which is the library. That's where you kind of calm down and have your comforting moment and do your kind of meditation is in your mind in the library or in whatever you're spaces um and she was like you can use that anytime she's like you can go to that place anytime you want whether you're here or not and I thought that was really lovely really beautiful um and that's really helpful yeah it was it was really nice and the place that I created in my mind is just so lovely and I look forward to going back there which makes me feel much easier about my next session which I know will Mm. be then even harder so it's interesting the way that they kind of you know, know how to work your brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's like a built-in safe space. Yeah. That you know you can depend on. Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's in you. Right. To bolster you through the scary stuff. Exactly. It's only an hour long. But, you know, in that hour, I go all the way back to being three years old. <laughs> and then the boyfriends and the teachers and the all the people in your life, you sort of sit down and we go through them all and and then you you end your sort of sojourn in, in for me in the library and um well that's exactly what I've been excited all week thinking about sharing is how past trauma comes up here in the moment and you can't believe that it's all connected but it is it's completely connected so I mean. let me be a little more honest about the green card appointment that was a very okay. very hard day for me I have some commitment issues mm-hmm. that make me kind of freak out when I'm taking the next step forward. I think that might be common with our listeners as well. I found myself reverting to old patterns of like having one foot out the door. Like I was going into a lot of fear about ta- mm. taking this next step of commitment with this person. But what I had to really discipline myself to remember was that I'm in love with this person and this is a healthy relationship in present time. Mm. 
And those old voices and that old story that I tell myself is an illusion. Yeah, that's interesting. I could sense that you weren't feeling feeling the joy, feeling the love in the way that you perhaps wanted to or yeah. felt that you should be. But how often um, does that, that happen time? to us? How often does that happen where the present is perfectly wonderful and, and a cause for celebration, but then we just get... Well, I mean, it's like, it's... It is PTSD. That's the thing. That's the reason exactly. I've gone to this woman. And, you know, other than the morning of the crash, I'm also having the, another thing that we're there to deal with is the fact that when somebody I care about doesn't text me back or, um, you know, quickly or somebody goes out in the car and I don't hear from them for a while or has to do a long journey or gets on an airplane, I am right back there again. And I'm like, it's almost like every time I say goodbye to somebody, it's like goodbye forever or something. Even though it's not now, even though it's not real, even though it's not logical or sane. It's not logical at all. And that is the tragedy of PTSD and which I am struggling with working through uh, because of my stalker situation or the right. stalker. Remember we talked about not yeah. making something mine. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, he's not your anything. No, he's not my anything. <laughs> The stalker, I could be now, now, when I'm perfectly safe, I could be in a locked room full of people and I'm still watching my back. Yeah. Your mind yeah. just doesn't know the difference when, it, when, it, when a trauma happens. It's hard. And, and for me, I just, I'm not willing to live the rest of my life like that. And that's... I'm not either. You know, I think that it gets to a point with people where they're resistant to therapy, they're resistant to looking into things. For instance, this type of therapy that I'm doing, it isn't something, it's not like my other therapist where I go and I speak to him every week. It's, you go there for a certain amount of sessions to deal with your issue, whether it's four or six or eight sessions. And I think people have this idea in their heads that like dealing with the shit in therapy is becomes this mountain that they can't look at and they mm -hmm. turn away from it. And I can promise you with a hundred percent certainty, a guarantee from my own experiences, from watching my father, from watching my mother, from watching many people around me and my family who absolutely need or needed therapy. I watched them suffer. And I know that a year or four sessions or five or eight or 12 sessions of very hard therapy that might not feel good, that might hurt a lot, that might bring stuff up, that might make things a bit more complicated with those around you for a while, is easier than a lifetime of pain that is humming along inside of you and touches all of your relationships. I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm a therapy pusher. <laughs> well, you and you know, I were sending each other long voice memos yesterday talking about this concept of healing. People think that healing means perfect, that, that it's easy. Healing should be easy. It's, it's, you know, you do some yoga, meditate and have some lemon water and you're healed. Yeah. It did me so much good with you yesterday to compare it to a wound, a physical yeah. wound healing. If you put it next to that, 
it makes so much more sense, at least in my brain. Think about a wound. So the phases of healing a wound are not pretty. It's bloody, it's pussy, it's messy, it smells. You have to take the bandages off, change bandages. You have to treat it with medicine. It hurts while it heals. It itches sometimes. And then when it actually starts to scar, the scar might be ugly. It might be a keloid mm. scar that's not attractive. But that is the healing process. That's the truth of healing, yeah. It's, it's not, you know, this week, as I shared with you yesterday, I had... You know, it's just been a fuck a fuck show this month. It's like, I'm not even going to bore people with it because I actually am embarrassed by how many things have happened in the last month that are just like hot mess express material. And <laughs> like two of them would be enough to send somebody over the edge. And there's been like eight. You had more than that. You've had like a dozen <laughs> things in the space of eight weeks. And this week, after my boxing, which gets so much out of me, I was stretching on the floor and I was like, I'm going to crack. I'm going to fucking crack. And I got into the car and I started crying. And I was just like, if this is how my life is going to be for the rest of my life, I am not doing it. I'm out. I'm not doing this. This cannot be it. And in that moment, I felt so scared. Those moments are so scary to me where I'm, yeah. where I'm going, I can't, I'm not doing this life. Like I'm going to opt out of life. Those yes. moments are so fucking terrifying. So in those moments, it's like, you've got to remember it's a wave. And that's what the lady said to me yesterday. It's a wave? It's a, imagine a wave from the sea. And it's like, whoa, this is so big. And it's washing me around. I'm tumbling around. I just bonk my head on a rock. And it's, I'm tumbling, tumbling. Is this ever going to end? And when you're in it, you're like, oh my God, my, I'm going to run out of breath. I right. can't, and I'm not going to get out of the wave. But you are. The wave is going to crash. You land you on the sand. And it's flat for a second, and you can fucking catch your breath, right? Yeah. So when I was feeling that way this week, I was like, oh my God, this is never going to I'm, I'm going to crack. I'm going to go crazy. I kind of like calmed myself down from my nervy bee and had a shower. And in the shower, I started thinking about healing. Mm. And I was like, even what I just went through and even those shitty, like mental breakdown feelings I have and those moments I have is healing. Exactly. It's, it's a part of it. It's not the same as like going for a walk or getting a massage or, you know. It, this is the real like, healing. Yeah. Like that nasty stuff is also healing. And what I started thinking about in the shower was like, okay, in this moment I'm healing. I did some EFT, which I'm so lazy I never do, but I actually did it for the first time in ages. And I was like, this is healing. This, it's not always pretty, blah, 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 the whole thing. And then I started thinking about people that like shatter their legs and shit and their spines and have to have three years of physical therapy and it's agonizing, but they walk at the end of it. You know, exactly. it's like, who, who, where did we get this idea that healing is just like, every day is going to be nicer and easier and better and great. And all of that stuff, all of that nasty, painful shit where you're in like emotional, physical therapy or just whatever that's called. That's just regular therapy, right. <laughs> psychotherapy. Like that's not going to always feel good either. And that work has to be done on the inside. The same is to be said for the inside, your cells, your emotions, your heart, your thoughts, all of the, all of the stuff inside of us also has to go through that 
therapy, that healing process, those years of, you know, getting back up on our feet and holding our head high and walking out of the building. Yeah. Like, okay, good. I'm in a spot now where I'm good. That is the lasting therapy. Massages yeah. and lemon water are fine, but that's not lasting. That's not lasting healing. That's just stuff to make you feel better in the moment. The real work is messy. And that's why people don't want to do it. That's why they shy away from doing it. But think about this. If you don't allow a wound to heal correctly and then you don't do the physical therapy that's required to get you walking again, you will carry that wound with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. So the the key to moving forward in a lasting way is healing like thoroughly deeply Mm. and look we're never gonna reach a point where you're like i'm I'm cured i'm cured (laughs) no it's not about that it's just just keep thinking of it in terms of a physical wound that to me has been so helpful this week just to yeah that just makes me see oh okay so what would i do if i had a broken leg you're going to have to take some downtime to deal with Mm -hmm. it. (laughs) But what is it with something emotional? We just get up right away and think we can move forward without taking the downtime to go deep. I mean, you wouldn't be able to do it with a broken leg and emotions are no different. No, you can't just go, oh, yeah, 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 just going to leave that. All good. But that, as we've said before, has been my tendency in life. And that's why going through this, gift of an experience with you this last year has been life-changing for me Annabelle you've changed my life and unfortunately we never want it to be because somebody dies but that is a gift that Ryan Brady has given me and I Mm. thank him for that I know he's on his own journey and he had his own reasons for leaving when he did but that's the gift that he gave to me was learning how to slow down and go deeper and sit with it and be there with you while you do that. I know how to heal differently now. And I, I didn't have I mean, that we've before. Had to learn. Yeah. We've had to learn, you know, and we've had to learn on the go. You know, there's been no, it's, we, d- we didn't get study time. You know, you don't get to. Yeah, you have to keep your life moving forward. You can't just check no, totally. out completely. You have to show up for every day and keep your life on track. But yeah, you can do both. Yeah, you can. And, but, and sometimes you can't. And sometimes you can't. But listen, like you said, in the wave, that's not going to last forever. Sometimes you are being pummeled by that wave and you are upside yeah. down and you don't know which way is up. And those days are to be expected that doesn't mean that you're failing it doesn't mean that something is wrong if you have to go back what seems like 10 steps to keep moving forward then that's what you have to do but taking that judgment off yourself of course it does in those moments that's what it feels like you're like oh my god this is 10 steps back but I think a big part of it is that at the beginning of something like this you have those feelings every day and then they lessen and lessen, which is great. That's progress. But then they're not just going to go away. So you get hit with them out of the blue and you've had weeks of feeling not that way. And it's like you've never felt it before and all of a sudden you don't know what to do. And the, the judgment of yourself comes in of like, oh, I thought I was past this. I thought I was better from this. Yeah, you've, you've described so many times being back at square one. And you're like, how did that happen? 
Mm-hmm. But that is healing. You need to go back to square one as many times as it takes to heal. Completely. If you are returning back to the, the moment, then there's more there to discover. There's more there to think about. There's more there to be dug up. And, and unfortunately, it just takes commitment. And that's what people run from. So people don't heal properly. I, too, look around at my many of my friends and family and just see them suffering. And I just think you are, your, your wounds are festering because you won't, you won't do the work. Yeah. I would so much rather have a period of rawness. Of bed rest. (laughs) I remember when I broke my knee when I was 17, I my kneecap came off my leg. It broke in (laughs) half. Bitch, don't. (laughs) It was a horrific Injury. No, how did you do that? Uh, how did I do it? Uh, that's, it's made me feel like, like my bum's going to fall off now. It's a really sad story, actually. I think I've told it before, but it was the night before cheerleading tryouts, and I wanted to be a cheerleader so desperately. Oh, no. Oh, it was, hor- it was so sad. And I'm just doing the cheer dance in my living room, and I... I fell over, my ankle twisted, and I fell, and my kneecap twisted off my leg, and and I was oh just screaming. God. I mean, I almost passed. I was just screaming. Uh, my brother and sister ran upstairs and hid under the bed. They were so terrified. Uh, ambulance, the whole thing. But the recovery period of that was about six weeks, which was very short amount of time but my mom had me on crazy Chinese herbs and she always raised us homeopathically (laughs) so I remember when I was nine and I broke my arm I always had horrific injuries I don't injure myself very often but when I do I fucking go for it Mm. I was nine years old and I was (laughs) so at my school Waldorf I know we're on a tangent right now but (laughs) you're touching your face again I can't I just don't like things like this it makes me feel dizzy at my at my Waldorf school, uh, which you make fun of me for, we had, we like plowed fields. No, I don't. We plowed fields. So we had I like. I wish that's the school <laughs> I went to. I know. Well, that's how you grew up too. So we plowed fields and we had like gardening class, whatever. And we, we had made like a plow that was pulled by kids. So like three or four kids would pull the plow and one of us would push the plow and we would plow the fields. So I well, was... we at least got a horse for that. You got a horse? Yeah, we didn't have yeah. any horse. Not in San Fernando Valley. We were in fucking Encino. Really? They could have got you a horse. Okay. I guess our school didn't have a budget for a horse, but... <laughs> <laughs> so I'm standing on the plow while some kid's pushing it. The kid who's pushing it, let's go. The plow falls and my arm is caught in the ropes. And I was drugged and at my elbow, my, my forearm bone was facing completely the wrong direction away from my upper arm bone and it had completely broken in half. So my point is that my healing time, I was out of a cast. Guess how long I was out of a cast in because my mom had me on these wild Chinese herbs. I don't know, but I'm sweating (laughs) from that. I'm actually not joking. Two weeks. (sighs) What? I was out of a cast in two weeks. Because of the Chinese herbs? Yes. So when I broke my knee, I was out of um, 
out of rehabilitation in six weeks. But I remember being on a bed and I had to have my leg on this machine that would bend my knee and then straighten my leg again and then bend the knee up. It was so painful. And I had to do this machine for like five hours a day, just laying there for weeks. It was so painful. And every day they would like make the angle a little sharper so that the leg would bend a little more. Okay, I actually, I don't think we can talk about this anymore. But this is healing. This is what we're saying. (laughs) If I hadn't had the commitment to myself at that young age, which is crazy to think about, to lay there in pain for five hours a day as my leg was forced to go through this healing process, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have been able to then, two months after that, go and audition to play the lead in, in the Nutcracker as Clara and book the role and dance that role for thousands of people. Damn. If I hadn't gone through the process, not only would I not have been able to do that, but I still would be limping. Yep, exactly. What's, what's your alternative? You either go through the pain of healing or you limp for the rest of your life. That's not a life no. I want to live. No, 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 no. And that's where no. you're at. That's where you're at, Annabelle, and I'm watching you go through it with such pride, and I'm just, like, cheering for you. I'm, like, cheering for you in the the stands because you healing this properly and and as fully and deeply as you can is going to allow you to not be limping for the rest of your life. And Yeah. Yeah, I know. I just have to remember that in those moments where I'm just like, this is never going to end. This is never going to fucking end. And you feel like you just can't just like take a day off because you can't, wherever you go, there you are. (laughs) And like you you said, wherever you go, whatever you do, however many massages you get, however many lemon waters you drink, the pain that that wants to be healed is waiting for you on the other side. The grief is waiting for you on the other side. Yeah, you just got to, Fucking my whole body's on that machine right now. Let me see. Uh, uh. You are. And, and, the, and the heat's getting turned up a little bit every day. And you're just, you got to just breathe through it. You just really do. Yeah. 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 No, it's interesting. It's interesting that you and I had have had like similar kind of vibes this week. I know. Well, we always do. Oh, fuck. We haven't even done the news. Take a break from the pain to focus on some fun for a second, okay? Ready? Here's our new intro. Go. It's not what? No. Wait. Shit. We should have practiced this. Okay, ready? Okay. Okay, wait. It's not world news. It's not. No, I'm going to. Okay, go again. Go. Go. Okay. It's not world news. Wait, start from the beginning. No, no, we've already done that, but it's not world news. It's not important news. It's It's Lucy (laughs) Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. You guys, maybe we should actually like record it like as a thing. (laughs) We just put some music behind it. That would be good. As if, yeah, as if producer Paul needs another job. He's going to hate us. <laughs> All right, Annabelle, what do you got for us? Okay, so 
First of all, Elon Musk and Grimes have broken up after three years. Oh, Apparently, no. I didn't even know they were together. <laughs> They've got a baby pillow. Oh. Um, they have broken up. They are still friends and they're going to co-parent, blah, 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 blah. Um, the reason was he has to be in Texas and traveling for his job all the time and she has to be in LA, something or another. Not really a good enough reason to get a divorce, in my opinion, so there must be some other issues at stake. Obviously. The real news, which I think is quite an interesting story that's been around a while, is Nirvana's famous naked baby begs record label to redact image of his genitalia from no. the album cover on the 30th anniversary after suing the band for child pornography. No! So, What role did his parents play in that process? So, Spencer Alden, now 30, was the baby seen on Nevermind album cover in 1991. On the 30th anniversary of the hit album, his attorney is asking Universal to redact the image of his genitalia. Last month, Alden sued the band for child pornography, claiming his parents never gave their release for the photos and were not paid. Whoa. The image was snapped in 1990 in Pasadena when Elder was four months old. And the cover shows him as a baby naked swimming underwater towards a dollar bill on a string. So the the lawsuit is for $2.5 million. Um, wow. Accusing Nirvana and the estate of Kurt Cobain of trafficking his image as a naked baby and demanding damages for being exploited as a minor. It should be noted that Eldon on multiple anniversaries has gotten back in the pool and recreated the cover okay so there's that um also in 2008 the photographer kirk weddell claimed that he paid eldon's father rich 200 dollars for the 15 seconds of work to appear in the snap according to npr 200 dollars. it seems to me like he just realized he could make some money from this i mean of course and also, I think we're living in this climate where, like, uh, loads of us are realizing that stuff that happened to us as children, like, <laughs> was not okay. Might not have been uh, appropriate. Might not have been, but not might not have been okay. But listen, here, it's that isn't, in my opinion, the problem of Universal Records, Nirvana, or Kurt Cobain's estate. That's the problem that he needs to take up with his with parents. his parents. And his therapist for exploiting him. They exactly. are the ones that exploited him. And Look, it would be impossible to pull the image. Not only... It, I mean, it. come on. It's been recreated. No, it's, it's been copied so many times. You could never pull he it. He himself has recreated He himself it. has. Come Eldon's on, man. legal team said in the suit that to ensure the album cover would trigger a visceral sexual response from the viewer, photographer Kirk Weddell activated Spencer's gag reflex before throwing him in the water um, what? and exposing his genitals. So I'm not sure if you've ever seen the photo. Yeah, I've seen it. It's just a reach. This to me is a reach and it's embarrassing. I think it's really embarrassing that he's doing this. I understand that he feels exploited, but as I said, he was exploited by his parents. And as far as I can tell you, as somebody who's been signed to a record label and as you can too, people present new images. You just assume that they're that it's all kosher. You know, you're, you're not mm-hmm. asking, oh, well, 
has everyone signed the appropriate consent forms? That's why you pay management. Yeah, you trust the experts. You trust the people around you, as we've learned, not always the best thing to do. But, you know, to sue the band is just a little bit, it just feels cheap. And, you know, he's repeatedly recreated the image on both the 10th, 17th, 20th. Well, that's the embarrassing part. That's the embarrassing part. And that makes his complete argument just moot. Why wouldn't say. you, I mean, this is so, a classic like Me Too era kind of, I don't know, it just seems like a bit of a soy boy move. It's like you have been a part of something so profoundly influential in culture, so incredible. And instead of kind of uh, celebrating that, celebrating it and like sort of transitioning it into something beautiful and wonderful and positive in your life and an honor and and maybe like using it as a platform to make your life really good and have a career doing X, Y, and Z. You've cried wolf and made it some like gross child pornography thing. You know, wow, 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 I was, my parents exploited me. I don't know, it just feels so grim and it feels just like really lame and weak and just small dick energy and I hate it. I know it's a tricky thing when we're talking about kids, but I think that people's freak out over nudity is really oh strange. Oh god, it's so American as well. It's I think really, it's really so strange. American. Many other cultures are nude most of the time. One, and two, like in Europe and stuff, you're nude on the beach, you're nude at the pool, your tits are out, you're in a thong, all those things. And it's, it's such a puritanical approach to nudity. I know. It's high really schools. Wild. Did you know that in high schools they still have dress codes whereby the girls aren't allowed to wear spaghetti straps? That's. It's still happening. Unreal to and me. It, it's so bizarre. Um, and I just think... Oh, this, my God. I think I this can't. guy needs to get a bloody grip. <laughs> I mean, look, no child should ever be exploited, obviously. But it's between his parents and mm-hmm. him. You're right. So, wow. Well, best of luck. Best wishes. Kindest wishes. <laughs> get well soon. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, okay, good. So anything else for us in the news of Annabelle Jones? Um let's move on to yours. <laughs> well, I've got two exciting tidbits for you today. Now this is from Science Daily. This is a study on humans marrying their cousins, and they have done research, a new method to screen ancient DNA for parental relatedness. Oh wow. And it's giving researchers a lot of clarity about how it's been through the years who's been fucking whose cousin exactly you will be shocked to know that today the global rate of being married to one's first or second cousin is higher than it was in in past centuries and millennia isn't that wild that does surprise me that that today it's higher than it would have been perhaps in the 19. They are giving, to me, an unthinkable statistic. Guess what percentage of (laughs) global society is married to their first or second cousin today? Like 20%? 10%. That's high. That's high to me. They are saying back however long ago, 1700, I don't even know, 10,000 years ago, only 3% of the world's population was married to a first or second cousin. Also, there's more people here today, but that just seems very strange. Oh yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. You have to take that into consideration. 
But as we move into being more refined as humans, as beings, who's that more refined? This- Sorry, who's more refined? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Who's more refined? I'm just saying we're not Neanderthals on the prairie. We're we not- are, you know. <laughs> We're walking around, talking, driving cars, wearing expensive clothing, and yet more of us are married to our cousins than ever before. So I, I wonder if there's like, so my friend and I were talking about this. My friend, um, I'm not going to say her name, actually I was going to give her a shout out, friend of the pod. Say her name. <laughs> you know how I was obsessed with that army hammer story about him being a yeah. cannibal? And I was like. My favorite yeah. news story that I've ever heard. What did he say? I want to have sex with you and eat you or something? Yeah, he's like, I want to, like, cut your... F- I want to, like, fuck your organs and on the f- in a pile on the floor. And, like, I want to hear your ribs cracking. All this, like, mad shit. Like, I want to <laughs> carry bits of you around my pocket. with Mad shit. So she was talking to her friends about it. And she was like, how about this army hammer stuff? They're pretty fucked up. And they were like, don't you know it seems a bit unfair like it feels like he's being kink shamed kink shamed people have lost their minds (laughs) look i'm not trying i'm not trying to cousin shame anyone okay if you want to marry your cousin please Maybe, (laughs) maybe that's a little bit of why it's like more because people are like don't you know it's it's fine like it's it's actually biologically scientifically fine so don't kink shame us because we love each other as cousins like maybe there's a little bit of like people don't feel like they can like shame people out of it anymore um but also it doesn't it just doesn't surprise me the whole of english aristocracy are royal family of course the whole like country is built on everyone marrying their cousins that's how we've of course done it um, you know so, what? I have a friend. I have a friend, and I'm not going to give him a shout out either in this specific instance. But his mother and father are brother and sister. Oh no! <laughs> He's from the Appalachian Mountains. Is he okay? Uh, not quite. <laughs> um, not only that, but they had two children. Wow. His sister has since committed suicide, so <gasps> I wouldn't say she's doing all right. Yeah, I think there might be some side effects that aren't exactly healthy. Um, you think? That's that's well-documented information. That's why you it's not legal to marry your brother or your sister. Exactly. Yes, it's quite wild, but it does happen. So let's not brother-sister shame anyone, you know? Don't want to kink shame anybody for fucking their brother. That's true, yeah. Don't want to kink shame anyone. We are not into shaming on this podcast. Well... <laughs> Except ourselves. We just yeah, shame exactly. ourselves all day long. So my second tidbit of news is incredibly exciting to me. A living descendant of an extinct indigenous group has been found in Tennessee. What? The Beothuk people of Newfoundland lived peacefully until the 1500s when European settlers arrived and the colonizers brought new diseases, which eventually led to the extinction of this tribe. So... Yeah, they were thought to be extinct until April of 2020. Whoa. An unsuspecting man living in Tennessee was identified as a living descendant. Wow. The last one that they thought was a part of this tribe died of tuberculosis in 1929. She was a woman named Shana <laughs> So the question was whether those genetic descendants had descendants, and now they know that they do. Wow. That's mental. So that's my exciting world news. Love that. 
family See you tree. again next week, everyone. Check in to find out what's going on in the world. <laughs> we are your source for everything. Reliable, fact-driven <laughs> news. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to these questions that you asked the mm-hmm. listeners. What are you munching on? Is that beef jerky? Is that dog food? Oh, it's mango. Are those dog, dog snacks? It's mango. Mm. Last week we talked about empathy a bit and how empathy, there seems to have right. been a distinct lack of empathy being shown in the world at the moment. So I thought, let's do a little poll. And I asked you all a couple of questions do you find empathy difficult and the average answer was no just below kinder you know it was mostly Mm -hmm. they don't find it difficult i asked you does stress affect empathy to which most people answered yes and those people were correct studies find that stress does affect empathy Hmm. does upbringing affect empathy most people answered yes, and they those people were correct. Upbringing does massively affect your capability of showing, expressing, and feeling empathy. I agree. Um, and the thing that I took away from it was what I shared was, do you wish people would show you more empathy sometimes? Overwhelmingly, 90% of people said yes, which is food for thought, I think. And my final question was, how do you engage with your empathy? And by that, I mean, show it, express it, feel it. If you're feeling like you're not feeling empathetic, how do you kind of hook into it to get to that place? We had so many responses, very varied, very simple things from trying to put myself in the other person's shoes, which is kind of like the layman's uh description of what empathy is mm-hmm. ryan kane fitz says i have to compartmentalize i try to keep listening Overshowing can put ego in the way pie of sweetness says i find empathy helpful to cope with stress and anxiety being kind through empathy can heal which i thought was lovely and and absolutely true true very true. If you're in a shit mood and you go out and do something nice for somebody, it immediately improves your mood. Oh, I like this response. So Miss Kate says, I employ an it takes a village approach to everyone, which I think is really interesting. I like that. Yeah, I really like that too. I think that's so interesting. I've never even thought about approaching kind of everyone with that way. Mm-hmm. Um, Gets your head out of your own ass. yeah and it creates a really nice feeling of community i mean even if the other people don't know you're feeling that like right all for one and one for all you see everyone as like part of the tribe you know which i quite like and then some people had negative responses really like what i'd rather disengage it has been a huge learning curve to put up emotional boundaries well that was i'd rather disengage Uh uh-huh I know lots of people. Oh my God, me too. And that goes back to healing. People would rather disengage with the pain than go towards it. People with busy lives who see a lot of people every day. If you're not disengaging, surely by the end of the day, you're emotionally completely drained. 
Well, I believe that's why my father introduced himself to me in public. Because he was so disengaged in that public setting that when Mm -hmm. he saw my face, it didn't even register that he knew my face. Because that's how far gone he was. Because that's his defense mechanism. Otherwise, he can't get through those public settings. Oh my God, I forgot about that, Lucy. Isn't that that wild? That makes complete sense. But that's how serious disengaging and disassociation can be is that you look at your own daughter and you don't even see her face in a sea of people. Yeah. I think no, that's no joke. Very specific to like that job as well in that environment. Yes. Um, when I was reading about all of this stuff online, I saw that medical professionals show less empathy than... Oh, right. Of course. Regular people because... Like a doctor, of course. Yeah, because they see so much... They tell people bad news all the time and they cannot open their heart and do that. I mean, how many, you know, awful. And then also you're physically intervening with people. Um, I think that I, you'd have to disconnect in order to be, to be able to sort of just like cut somebody open and get about your business without kind of thinking yeah. like, oh, fuck their mom or their dad or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought it was really interesting. Um, Very. This one's interesting as well. It's difficult when you know you're worse off than someone. Try not to compare Whoa. struggles. Yeah. Mm. You we know. We discussed that. Comparing <laughs> grief, comparing, comparing, comparing. That's what the brain does. One of my big fears at the beginning of all this is that I was going to become like cold and unfeeling and not feel like bad for people anymore or, or, or like empathy. And so... That hasn't happened. I haven't all of a sudden become some unfeeling, cold, unempathetic person. But I definitely get a giggle when when somebody is like, <laughs> oh my God. And, or like on the TV and I'm watching something and people are like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I just start giggling and I think that sounds, that's nice. Lucky you. Good for you, mate. It also makes me think about how I used to be and how... And I'm Which like, I'm, I don't know. I just feel like embarrassed. I just like ever like had a bad day before. <laughs> like what was wrong? <laughs> like, oh, you like, mean before Ryan yeah, died? Yeah. I'm yeah. Just like, like, what was, what was ever wrong? Like what was my bad day yeah. about? Like what did yeah, I Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what have I been talking to my therapist about for eight years? Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You've been in weekly therapy, just like. But what? Ripping apart your heart I and can't, soul for it, what? Yeah, but like, but obviously listen, I wouldn't be sitting here now, processing now, all of this stuff, if I hadn't done all that. And obviously, the as I learned yesterday, which is good, it's actually a good lesson for me, is that just because the traumas weren't as big as this, doesn't mean I wasn't traumatized by them, because that's a whole part of this treatment, is that you go back to early shit. Right. You know, so. And not to compare each, against each other. Yeah. With- how badly things affect us. I mean, I had a friend get upset this week and she was talking about just very, very dark things. Um, And in my brain, I'm going, get over that. That's not Mm. a big deal. But to her, it was the end of the world. 
And I know that you and I had that talk when my cat died and we had different listeners weighing in Mm -hmm. with telling me to get over it because it was nothing compared to you losing your Mm -hmm. husband. And I felt embarrassed to share my grief because I felt stupid putting it up against Ryan's death. But we can't do that to ourselves because we are all where we're at and we are meant to be on our own personal journey. I do think, and I said this back then when Ivy died, perspective is important. Yeah, Perspective. Totally. That's what I would say to my friend this week who was like feeling suicidal over what I thought was an inconsequential thing. Perspective. If nothing else, at least just have some perspective, okay? You're allowed to feel what you feel. But look at the big picture, always, always, always. And I think that that's exactly what showing empathy gives us. It does. It does, exactly. Knowing that this is the truth for this person and you don't have to change that for them or be better than them. You can just be there and give them the space to feel what they're feeling. And that's empathy. Regardless of anything to do with yourself. You know, it's not, right. It's that's their shit. And I think that having boundaries is a really, as we've said before, important part of empathy. Empathy isn't taking on somebody else's stuff and letting it affect you so deeply that you're also in a pile on the floor. That's not helpful. You can't help anyone from that point. And I have to practice that every day. I mean, I think when you're in a creative environment, when you have a creative husband, when when you're in those kind of situations, probably many, many other lines of work and cultures as well, call for more daily empathy than other situations, you know? Um, other families, other cultures, other dynamics, other careers aren't really calling for huge amounts of empathy every day. But No, that's true, yeah. Some stuff, I think, especially for creatives, you do have to be really empathetic to be around creatives because they are moany fucking bastards. Well, I mean, they're introspective. We're constantly introspecting. That's how we get better at creating is we introspect. So, yeah, that causes a lot of pain sometimes yeah pain pain. yeah you're constantly digging and people don't want to do that you know a family of dentists doesn't come home at night and want to fucking get to the bottom of all their feelings they just don't the world or you know i mean maybe some do but some do sure but i have some friends that have never questioned anything in their life and they just have lived you know, a wealthy kind of just life where they're enjoying things and they've never really worked and they're not curious and that's fine. Probably in a last life, they had a super hard fucking life and this time around they're just chilling. (laughs) So you never know why people are the way they are and, and it's none of your business. You don't need to judge them. I envy those people so much. Me too. How great would it be not to question anything and not to like look at your own actions and say, why did you do that, you dumb bitch? How great would that be to just like go have a mojito at the end of the day and just go, that was a, I did, that was a perfect day. Or not <laughs> always think the worst possible thing's going to happen. Those are the people I envy the most. Where I'm just like, uh, you can watch somebody climbing a tree or doing this thing or and not be like on the edge of your seat, just being like, oh my God, they're going to fall down. They're going to break their legs. It's going to be terrible. We're going to have to go to the hospital. I was thinking about that the other day. I wanted to go climb a tree. I was not feeling good. I just wanted to connect with nature and ground myself. And I wanted to climb a tree. And I thought back to all the time when I was little, I would climb trees and I would get as high as I could. And I would just sit up there hugging the tree with the wind blowing me around. And I thought, 
Now when I want to do that as an adult, all those thoughts come in of, no, I'm going to fall. I, it's dangerous. Don't do that. All that fear comes in. But I didn't experience that as a child. Yeah. I had no fear. You just fucking climbed a tree. Well, because you're so in the moment as a child. You're not thinking and about And you have no fear. Well, you're not th- you don't Can we go back to that? <laughs> Unfortunately not because our brains grow out of it our brains literally don't understand consequences as as a child it's not until your early 20s that you start to understand consequences and our brains actually want us to survive which is why they do that that's why they do that to us well i think we can train it a little bit maybe to just be like less intense because i really want to climb a tree i know i hate now when i feel but i'm too scared i know i hate that the other day was at a waterfall and some rocks started falling on the bank next to me and i was like oh my God, there's going to be an avalanche of rocks and I've got to get out of this. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I know. I thought not only if I took one wrong step on a tree branch, I would fall, but what if there was a spider up there? I would freak <laughs> out and let go of the tree. Like my mind, my mind went places to talk me out of climbing a fucking tree, but I really want to climb a tree. Well, just go and climb like a medium height tree. Oh my god. Just go and climb one that's like twice the height of you. You don't have to go soaring up into the sky. Can we just let go of fear and live freely? As freely as possible because we already know we don't live in a free country. We learned that with the vaccine. Whoa, 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 whoa. But can we let go of some of this fear and just dive into the moment? Do you think we can do that this week? Let's do one thing that, that... where no, we you, do that. Well, our brain's like, no, no. Your brain's like, nope, you're going to die if you do that. And you're like, I don't care. Also, <laughs> disclaimer, nobody do anything fucking stupid because we no, don't go nobody go like fly off with, no, with like homemade, like- don't like homemade, <laughs> make wings at home and like jump off of a mountain or something. Don't do this. What we're, we're saying. saying is do one thing every day that scares you. <laughs> oh my God. How stupid. How lame. <laughs> I mean, it is kind of what we're saying. But I said it so much better than you just said it. No, I know. I'm just trying to cover our asses in case anyone falls out of a tree. (laughs) If you hurt yourself after you listen to this episode, this is a legal disclaimer. It's not our fucking fault, you asshole. If I climb a tree and hurt myself, I'm going to sue you, Annabelle, because you told me. For what? (laughs) (laughs) For coercing me, for coercion. (laughs) <laughs> what are you going to get from me, you idiot? <laughs> I don't know. I do like your clothes a lot. Okay. I'll just lend those <laughs> to you. You don't need to see me about it. So what's your equivalent to climbing a tree? What are you going to do this week? <laughs> I'm going to climb like a three-foot tall tree. <laughs> oh, um, I think I'm going to start making social plans. Okay, I'm gonna, we're on the right path. I'm going to go make some plans. Good, make some social plans. I'm going to go find a four-foot-tall tree that I'm comfortable climbing. Four foot start is a there. great start. <laughs> <laughs> Love you. Love you. Every girl gets her dreams Cast into reality Never seen the bottom Only just recently Season